I'm Maureen Ballatori, and this is Spilled Salts, a podcast on the thrills and spills from the food, beverage, and agriculture industries. Today's guest is Joel Kraft. He's the executive chef at St. John Fisher University in Rochester, New York. And St. John Fisher has ranked number one in New York State for the best campus food in 2023. Um, they also ranked number five in the country for best campus food. So today we get a little bit of background from Joel about why that is. Um, and he equates a lot of it to, spoiler alert, his team. Um, but they've also done some pretty remarkable things at St. John Fisher College um, related to the NFL as well. You'll hear some reference on that there today. Um, and as always, a background about Joel's experience for what led him from a track in fine dining and country clubs to the university scene and how he feels about that change. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, Joel. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. So well. the way that I always like to start these is a little bit of you know, foundational understanding. So tell our listeners a little bit about your work background, um, right leading up to the work that you're doing now. Oh, wow. So, uh, I guess we're going over the resume. Is that what we want to do? That's the idea. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, I am the uh, old age of 45 now and, uh, I started in the business, uh, many moons ago, probably when I was 14 or 15. And, uh, you know, as many chefs start in the business, I was, in the dish room, uh, my first job was uh, in a Sweet Hill Country Club. Uh, that, that's my hometown. And uh, I, I got promoted to cook a few years later, but while I was still in high school. So uh, after a while, it became more than a job to me. So I decided to go to culinary school where I went to uh, Johnson Wales out in Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, spent two years there. And uh, being the uh, forever uh, romantic, I wanted to move a little closer to home towards uh, my high school sweetheart. Uh, who didn't get married, but, um, so I found an externship here in Rochester. So uh, I had uh, called around to some chefs, and uh, one of the chefs that was really interested in, uh, you know, continuing education for uh, the people in our trade was uh, Chef Charles Carroll, and he was at Oak Hill Country Club. Mm, okay. So I did my externship there in the late 90s, and... Um, and, and we really hit it off. So I got a job there after I finished my externship and um, I graduate, uh, and had graduated Johnson & Wales. And so I decided to stay on there uh, and was very honored to do so. So, I, you know, I'd worked uh, part in the fine dining, part in the casual dining. And to be honest with you, I really did anything I could because, you know, I was a young buck and um, yeah. wanted to uh, just absorb everything I could. Um, so after a while, my uh, chef, he was also uh, a competitor in the Culinary Olympics which is a small group of uh, individuals in the ACF that uh, compete, uh, you know, overseas and in other areas of the United States. And he asked me if I wanted to apprentice with him. And uh, I said, absolutely. He goes, well, I can't pay you. And I said, well, that's fine. Um, so we, uh, we started a, a great relationship there and I would, uh, you know, just learn and absorb everything I could from him and uh, the other, you know, certified master chefs that were part of that. And, uh, you know, we, we traveled to different areas and uh, we can come back to that too, if you want. But Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, but what it did is uh, he uh, got a, a position down in Houston, Texas uh, at uh, River Oaks Country Club. 
So he asked me if I wanted to move down there, and I really didn't have any strings. Uh, so uh, I and another chef moved down there, and I spent uh, the next three, four years working there. Mm. Uh, was the fine dining chef there and uh, actually took over the casual dining after that, which uh, sounds kind of the opposite direction. But the uh, casual dining at River Oaks was uh, probably a three, four million dollar a year operation. So it was mm -hmm. a great management experience. Mm. Uh, from there, I um, got an offer to work at Canagua um, uh, at uh, Bristol Harbor as the executive chef. So it would have been my first EC job and uh, was honored to do so. Uh, was a little excited to move back home, but uh, I miss Texas, um, especially the barbecue. But uh, we, we came up oh, I here. I thought for sure you were going to say, especially the weather, but the barbecue, I'm sure was great too. Uh, oh yeah, the weather at least nine months out of the year. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful down there. Um, yeah. So uh, it's down there, so I still go down. Um, so I uh, went to uh, Bristol, Bristol Harbor and uh, was the executive chef there for a few years. And then the general manager at Oak Hill said, hey, listen, we lost our chef. Uh, I noticed you haven't applied. And I said, well, his, uh, his name is uh, Eric Rule. I said, well, Mr. Rule, I said, I, I don't, I, I think I'm too young and I don't think I'm experienced enough. I want to get some under my belt. And he goes, well, I think you should apply anyway. And he kind of did that. So I uh -huh. said, okay. <laughs> so a little wink so, and a nod. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. So uh, it was a very intimidating, uh, but I didn't want to back away from the challenge. So mm -hmm. Uh, applied, did a cooking test and interview with the board there. I think I was 27 years old at the time and uh, got the job. And uh, from there, I spent uh, the next four or five years there, did the senior PGA, not the full PGA, but the senior, and um, had an opportunity. My girls, uh, my I have two lovely girls, uh, Sadie and Madeline, and uh, they were, I, I want to say, five and three at the time, six and four. Mm -hmm. uh, the years go by fast. Yep. And I uh, decided that I wanted to try to find a little uh, work-life balance. Mm -hmm. So uh, the catering manager that I had worked with at, um, at uh, Oak Hill got the job here as the director at St. John Fisher University. At the time, we were college. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure you're aware. But uh, so I decided to apply for that job. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, the cuisine I'm going to do there is going to be so much less. It's going to be less challenging. Um, but you know, the work life balance really, uh, attracted me, you know, I'd, I'd spent so many, so many years working through, uh, you know, just so many hours and just so many different things that I was excited for, you know, maybe the next stage in my career and got the job here. And I, I really haven't looked back uh, since. And to be honest with you, the, uh, the food that we do here and some of the things that the, the students do and the Buffalo Bills do with us here challenges uh, me to this day. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's different. It's fun. It's a little more cutting edge, I think, you know, learning new cultural cuisine and, uh, you know, learning things that uh, a lot of the kids have access to, you know, the internet, obviously, and uh, do a lot of research and cultural uh, um, trends happen so fast that in the university sense, uh, it's, it, 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 there, there are types of cuisines that fly across my desk and uh, my cutting board uh, faster than they would have, I think, in my previous jobs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of the snapshot. Got it. Uh, that was a lot of words, so I hope I didn't, uh, you know, ramble on too much. No, that was great. So how long have you been at St. John Fisher University now? Yep. So started here in January of 2009. Okay. Uh, so whatever that winds up being, 14, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So a couple things I want to point out for listeners based on my understanding of the industry is that 
and you glossed over this a bit, is that for Joel to be able to go into and and you were the executive chef at age 27 at Oak Hill? Yes. That's a huge yeah. deal. So talk about that a little bit about like okay. why is that wow. unusual? Um, you know, well, I mean, you know, Oak Hill obviously has a lot of prestige. Um, they uh, have a wonderful culinary program there. The Gulf is second to none, obviously, as you know. Um, and, so, and Joel's referencing for anybody who might not know the Oak Hill hosted the PGA last year, right? Was it last year? Yes, it was. It was. I believe it was last year. As you I, said, the time the time flies. Yes, I, I love cooking. I'm terrible at golf. So uh, when everybody's like, well, who's your favorite to win? I'm like, I don't even know who's playing. But um, so, uh, yeah, they've done the senior PGA, the Ryder Cup uh, and, and all of that jazz. So um, so back to the original question, you know, how, what was it like? It was very intimidating, but mm -hmm. I, I, I refused to back away from the challenge. So, you know, there was a lot of research, a lot of studying. I mean, you know, you, you spend your entire career in the culinary arts, you know, continuing and furthering your education because there's just no stop to to learning and understanding, um, you know, different ways of doing things and things like that. So I spent a lot of time doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, the chef that was there before, Chef Dan Scannell, uh, he was a certified master chef. I was following in his heels. Uh, I was familiar with Chef Dan uh, because he was part of the, uh, the Connery Olympics. So, you know, we had a rapport, but uh, second to none chef, uh, just the food he put out. So I was um, green. I was just so green coming in there. So there was a lot of learning, um, there, you know, in, in retrospect, there were mistakes made, but, mm -hmm. uh, it was what dedication you put behind it to, uh, you know, uh, you know, make sure that you, you rose to that level. And I'd, I'd like to think that I had a, you know, a, a really good rapport there, um, over the years. And I miss it to this day because, you know, it was where I did my externship and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of learned a lot. So, mm -hmm. uh, it was tough, you know, I learned a lot about, uh, you know, managing people and finances, you know, cause a lot of the uh, individuals that work there and the chefs that worked there for decades and some of the staff that had worked there for so long, you know, I had previously, uh, they had previously been people I looked up to and I, I still do to this day, but I'd looked up to as, you know, you know, fellow associates, fellow colleagues, and now I was their chef. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was a lot of things to, to prove and, um, in a kitchen, it can be tough. So, um, especially at 27, right? Yeah. You know, you're this young buck. Who are you coming in here? Yeah. I don't have to listen to a word you say. I know all yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it, it, it taught me a lot on how to, to earn someone's respect. Mm. Um, you know, how to have somebody really stand behind you when you, you go into the battle of the kitchen, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, every night, especially Friday night and Saturday night are, are battles to, uh, you know, try to put out the absolute best product you can to a, a clientele while doing it at a, an extreme pace uh, while, while a wedding is happening behind you and being plated and, and things like that. So it, uh, it was an experience I, I wouldn't give up for anything. So. so my husband was an executive chef for a number of years. Um, he was down at his last um, executive chef positions were at Bellhurst Castle yep. down in Geneva. And then um, he was with a, a meal startup called Real Eats. Okay. And so he also always explained it in the exact same way that what he to this day misses about line work is that going into battle on a Friday yeah. and Saturday night. It's the only reoccurring dream I have. Really? Uh, yeah. It's the, the Friday night. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's an art. It's a dance. It, it yeah. really is. It's something, it's something we don't do here as much because of the style of service we do at St. John Fisher university. I mean, but, uh, 
I miss it. I do. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I also generally have Friday night off, so I, I don't miss it that much. I guess, right, but. right, yeah. And actually, that was my husband's motivation, too, is our kids were born, yeah. and he wanted to get out of the lifestyle that was a battle every weekend, right, mm-hmm. and move into something that was a better work-life balance. So I'm glad that he found that for us and our family, and I'm glad that you were able to move in that direction, too, and that it's something that you enjoy so much, right? Because a lot of people make compromises in that shift of, well, it's food that I enjoy, just as you explained, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's work-life balance and I can't have both. So talk a little bit about why and how you have both of those things at St. John Fisher University. Sure. Yeah. You know, most, most previous jobs, uh, as your husband probably knows, you know, there was early morning to late night, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, six, six, seven days a week. Uh, It was mostly six days a week, you know, you know, at Fisher, and, and it took some time. There were a lot of hours we put in here. I don't, I don't want to uh, make it sound like it isn't, um, you know, mm-hmm. a challenge here because we, you know, we have our challenges, and uh, you know, it's important to us to, to develop a team. But we've developed such a wonderful team here. Um, you know, I've got an executive. I got basically two executive sous chefs that uh, we've worked together over ten years now, which is just a lifetime in our business too. Mm-hmm. Because you know. Um, you know, a lot of the the staff and management and, and, and people you work with in this business are two to three year, you know, associates and colleagues. But we've enjoyed um, a management team here that's been together over 10 years. So with that comes a lot of growing pains, but at the same time, a lot of um, a lot of uh, cohesiveness and uh, understanding. And, and we play off of each other's, uh, you know, strengths and weaknesses. So that's where we've developed a work-life balance, in my opinion, as mm-hmm. well as some successes because, you know, I'm able to say, Hey, listen, I'm not going to be here Friday and Saturday. You know, my sous chef picks it up. You know, we know each other's standards and, uh, you know, what, what type of food we put out and things like that. And that's not to say there aren't challenges and that we still have to work through. I mean, we've got uh, roughly a hundred to 120 employees here, you know, at any one given time we're training, you know, 10 to 15 new in the, the fall semester. So, you know, there's some learning curve for, for that, but in general, that work-life balance, I think really comes from, having a, a great team that you can rely on to communicate with and to handle issues when you're not there and then mm-hmm. vice versa. When they're not here, you want to make sure that you're maintaining, you know, those standards and expectations amongst the staff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's where I, I really find it. You know, um, you know, I generally take two days off a week, which is just wonderful. Um, it, you know, in the business that uh, changes here and there. And, uh, you know, we have our downtime too, that I really look forward to because it's a time to, you know, kind of rebuild, uh, that that personal side of of what is so important i think in life right so yeah the breaks in the summer and Mm -hmm. uh the ups and downs so yeah yeah being able to work through that cycle yes yeah that's a great opportunity so you talk a lot about people and Mm -hmm. you and i both know as as do probably every single person that's listening to this podcast (laughs) that Finding great people, especially in food service and restaurants in today's day and age, is a very difficult thing. What has that been like for you? I mean, have you noticed a notable change over the last couple of years since COVID? Or has it kind of always been challenging to find people to stick around? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, You know, it's evolved. It certainly has. You know, 20, 30 years ago, it it wasn't anything to have a completely different culture and a way of dealing with uh, people in the kitchen. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have watched uh, The Bear and uh, read Anthony Bourdain and some other, uh, you know, the great shows out there. Um, You know, there's a lot of truth in how we and 
restaurant business deal with each other. Um, <laughs> probably got a hundred stories there. Uh, I'm sure uh, one or two of which is appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> but, um, regardless of that, um, you know, things have changed in the business and, uh, and it's for the better. It really is, you know, so there's a lot of cultural shifts in, you know, how we, we deal with our staff you know, the professionalism and, and what we go through and, and, and being part of uh, the company that I work for and having the pleasure of working at St. John Fisher has really, you know, polished and, uh, you know, gotten us to a, a great way of dealing and handling and, and training, promoting and, you know, and on the off chance of disciplining staff. So the culture has really changed. So that's kind of one part of it. But with that, it's how do you use that environment to and that culture to, you know, encourage people to come work for you? And it, it really is a competition out there in, in making sure that you're able to attract the best staff you can. Because at the end of the day, I may know how to cook, you know, uh, a, a great tikka masala or a, a great uh, you know, chicken parmesan or whatever the, the dish may be. But if I'm not able to procure the staff that we need that that want to continue that culture and 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 drive that excellence, then you know i'm I'm really you know going to be struggling. Um, and so a few things that I do, and uh, I believe that um, you know you're part of the commissary downtown, right? you know, is community outreach. Um, I serve on the board over at uh, the Oasis program, which is uh, part of the Rochester City School District. They have a culinary program over there. Oh, great. I didn't realize uh, that. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been um, working with um, Chef uh, Jeffrey over there who runs the program. He's been there for some time. And uh, he just has such a, uh, a wonderful way about, uh, you know, getting uh, individuals ready for the, the industry that I think is difficult to do on your own as, a, as an employer, because I think there's a lot of lines that uh, Chef Jeff is able to cross, both personal and professional, to get people prepared. Uh, so, uh, so, so back to the, you know the issues that are out there. So, I think that you know anybody can put an application out on Indeed and then you know look through there and then you, you hope to get a great candidate. But when you have some of these partnerships in the community, you know, working with other chefs, uh, you know, uh, working with Chef Jeff over at Oasis, and uh, you know having these connections out there. You're really able to, you know, kind of put the what you want out in into the community in order to, you know, attract great staff. I, I hired five people from the Oasis program I just last August, and all of them are all stars. Uh, so I, That's I've amazing. just been, yeah, I've been so excited, and and you can, and with these 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 and they're varied in age, but these culinarians, you know, some young, some, uh, you know, getting into uh, their next career and things like that, that, you know, there's different teaching styles for all of these students, but mm -hmm. what they came to me with is, is a passion to be in the business. Mm -hmm. And that's not something you can teach right away. It, 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 it can be instilled, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day to, to really have that and have some individuals that, uh, you know, come in with that passion already, uh, you know, I, it really, encourages me to, to, to play off that and, and, you know, move, uh, you know, a lot of the pride and, and the education that we have in our kitchen forward. So that's what I'd like to hang my hat on. I, 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 that's where I'd like to attract staff. It's, you know, I could put out ads and things like that. So, but back to your original question, uh, you know, you brought up COVID COVID was, was, it was terrible. Um, oh, yeah, I you know, for our business. Yeah. 
you know, so uh, it was terrible for a lot of people. I don't want to, you know, play down what uh, the wonderful first responders and, uh, you know, hospitals and, uh, you know, medical staff had to go through and things like that. But because uh, th that was just really tough. But, you know, in, in our business, as you're aware, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, restaurants were shutting down everywhere. So mm -hmm. what did people do? You know, I mean, people went, went on layoff. Luckily, there were a lot of government assistance programs that, that helped. But um, it... It, it paid more than what a lot of restaurants pay, you know, right. you know, to get into too much nitty gritty in the podcast here, but it was difficult then to attract staff that typically would be, you know, hungry for some of our entry level positions and, you know, looking for a career because we're a very, you know, uh, you know, hands-on trade. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we tend to, you know, bring in some people that have varied uh, levels of, you know, higher education and, and I'm, very supportive of everybody that comes in that wants to learn. So I'm not mm -hmm. passing judgment there, but it certainly uh, became difficult to attract staff. And then, excuse me, as we noticed uh, over the year, past, you know, some of the, you know, extended uh, benefits had passed and things like that. We started to notice a real uh, return to, uh, you know, people interested in applying and getting there. So I would say it probably took a good 12 months past you know, the end of, you know, the general pandemic when we were beginning to open up to really see a, a, an interest in, in applicants and mm -hmm. um, individuals to be out there. I'm proud to say now I, I, I feel like it's it's pre-COVID now, it, like it was pre-COVID. So Yeah, right. Yeah. It sounds like you felt the faucet turn off and you felt it turn back on. And that's something yes. that I haven't heard um, because so many restaurants and food service folks are still having trouble attracting people, but they're not mm -hmm. doing what you're doing in terms of the community outreach and your work with the Oasis program. And you mentioned the Rochester Commissary. Um, Joel and I are both entrepreneurs and residents in that um, incubator kitchen in downtown Rochester. And those are some things that really make a difference in your ability to find right fit people, right, right? To come into the organization. Absolutely. It, 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 it's, it's so much easier to hire somebody that has, uh, that has a personal connection with your employment already. You know, right. I love getting referrals from current staff, uh, especially ones that I just, just absolutely trust uh, to, to run the kitchen you know, mm -hmm. without me. So yes, you know, being out in the community, having people you can talk to, people you can bounce ideas off of and things like that is just, it, it's crucial in today's day and age. It really is. So I'm happy to say that I, I feel comfortable with our ability to employ at the moment, but I, I still hear some struggles from, you know, some of my uh, colleagues out there. So, mm -hmm. but, you know, my personal experience, but yes, the faucet on and off was a great reference. That's a, mm -hmm. that's pretty much exactly what happened. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. glad to hear that it turned back on. Um, what is the connection that St. John Fisher University has to the NFL? Well, as uh, hopefully most of your uh, listeners know, but uh, we, uh, since I've started here and uh, I, I want to say five to 10 years before I started in 09, uh, I pardon my lack of uh, knowledge on the history here is we, we host the uh, Buffalo Bills training table. What is the Buffalo's train, uh, Buffalo Bills training table? So that is when uh, the team, coaches, and support staff come to our campus uh, in from Buffalo. Uh, again, if you know many of your listeners are probably aware, but uh, and within our main dining hall here, our Ward Happy Dining Hall, the Buffalo Bills are hosted by us, and um, you know they basically sleep above us in the uh, the, the dorms uh, next in, uh, to us and above us, and then they eat. Uh, 
generally about five meals a day with us uh, while they're here on campus. Uh, their schedules are predetermined by the coaching staff. Uh, so sometimes they go way back to Buffalo, but they're back here. And then uh, we cater most of the food that happens uh, besides concessions uh, at the, uh, the practice down here in, in the fields that are here. So we, uh, you know, have the, the pleasure of working with them, even though I'm a New York Giants fan, but I don't oh, want to get it. Oh, come on. All right, we're, uh, we're done. We're done. <laughs> No, just I don't kidding. want to get into that, but yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I've had a, a rough few years, um, but uh, so the wonderful. bells, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're wonderful. They uh, just, you know, I, I could think back through a few coaches. Uh, I wish I could remember all their names, but uh, over the years, but uh, you know, Coach Sean and his team, uh, they're just ladies and gentlemen. They're just wonderful to be uh, to have here. So, and there's for many years. There's a, a your turkey burger has become famous with the Bills team. I understand. Yeah, it's uh, you would th- you know I, I I had done a few interviews after you know Josh put that out there and uh, so the, the the tradition of doing turkey burgers here predated me. Oh, and so when I first started in 2009, the um, there was one nutritionist and head strength uh, training coach. There was one uh, I believe his name was Jay. Uh, again, many moons ago. Mm-hmm. And he was very regimented. You know, this is when the, the family's players day is. This is when, you know, this. And, but they would always have a late night snack. So the late night snack would wind up being turkey burgers and baked potatoes every night. And I was like, wow, this is so boring. <laughs> so it became tradition. So the late night uh, meal was, was just that. And it was that way for years. And then, you know, uh, as, as you know, uh, the NFL uh, doesn't stand for the National Football League, as I've learned from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it stands for not for long. So. <laughs> So many, many of, you know, uh, the, the staff have come and go, and I've had the pleasure of working with most of them. But um, the current regime really shook things up uh, the, from a food perspective, which is just, it was so wonderful to see because so, so many things were, it, they were kind of blasé. They really were. But yeah. hey, listen, they, they were hitting their nutritional needs. You know, they were eating, you know, some leaner proteins, and they were getting what uh, the coaching staff wanted. So now they're like, well, why don't we do a, a fish fry night? Why don't we do, you know, full boys this night? Why don't we do a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a Mexican-style dinner? So it all got shook up. So, but what didn't change is we we would do some excellent, excellent lunches and dinners. You know, we would always buy in some nice steaks. We'd do a lobster night, mm-hmm. you know, some of these things, and we just had a lot of fun with it. So I think it was on the night we were doing tenderloin and lobster that night. All of a sudden, I... I I believe the communications director here at uh, Fisher reached out or somebody had sent me something. I, I don't know. It was all blur. Said, uh, your turkey burgers are trending. I'm like, I said, we're doing lobster tonight. I said, what's <laughs> happening? I was like, no, the turkey burgers are. I'm like, what are you talking about? So then I, you know, started reading some of the social media posts and, and what Josh had said. Um, so, yeah, they took off. I mean, it's a it's a simple ground turkey recipe that we season lightly. And, you know, uh, if I got the right guy or gal on it, they don't overcook, so we're good. But yeah. <laughs> um, it was, they were flocking towards them. Like I, I, I was using, I was cutting up tenderloin to put in soup the next day because all the guys were eating turkey burgers. And so, it's so want? funny. Yeah. yeah. It really was. So I walked up to Josh the next day. I'm like, what are you doing to me, bud? <laughs> so he's like, and he looked at me, he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you don't even know, do you? So, um, <laughs> but obviously, I mean, he's aware. Um, yeah. So, because because at that point in time, here's the other funny thing is, is when when that happened, the reality was, is there was uh, avian flu. Mm. So, 
I was still facing headwinds from uh, the procurement of goods and food uh, and things like that, commodities because of COVID and, you know, right. things that shut down. So, you know, as you can well imagine, you know, like, you know, beef and, and cattle and things like that have a longer life. And that supply chain wasn't as interrupted as something as simple as, uh, you know, poultry was. Mm-hmm. So the country was completely decimated. I couldn't buy turkey to save my life. And he comes out with the, okay, <laughs> you know, it's the turkey, turkey burgers burger are the best. Yep. And I was like, <laughs> I can't buy turkey right now, bud. So, so I'm calling Palmer. I, and luckily I've got a great re- relationship with, uh, you know, Palmer food service here in town and, uh, the, the management staff over there just did a wonderful job. Um, they, they switched all of their allocations on what little poultry they had to make sure that I had the product I needed to, uh, to get through camp. Luckily, um, Dan Walsh over there and his team are Bills fans. So I was like, hey, listen, I said, you don't have to do it for me. You got to do it for the team. That's right. So, that's right. Those are they're the Palmer's <laughs> team. Great people over there. They yeah. have an excellent reputation for really coming through with a lot, a lot of people. They do. They do. Yeah. And they came through that season. Uh, we scraped by. I mean, I wasn't going to tell anybody how close it was. And then I had people call me. I'm like, where do you get these? And what do you do? And what's your recipe? I'm like, I'm going to tell you now. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These are world famous yeah. now. Well, well, that and I didn't want them to buy turkey. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were literally my competition for procurement at that time. So I was like, right. oh, you've got three and a half weeks and I'll tell you. So Yes, right. Uh, right. When the population comes back. Yeah. 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 So it, uh, oh, it was stressful for all the weird reasons. So Yeah. That, that happens. So I have a, a friend of mine, uh, Meg Fuller, runs the marketing for Bristol Mountain. Okay. The ski resort here in yep. the Finger Lakes. And so she was mentioning one day that she accidentally made some of her content go viral on, it was either TikTok or Instagram, and they had way more people flock there than they planned and they couldn't, oh, wow. you know, couldn't house them all. And so it's, it's one of the double-edged swords of having something get super popular like that, right? Is that yes. it gets in, you know, oh yeah. no, I don't have enough turkey yeah. to make all these burgers. <laughs> oh, it was... <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was stressful, but uh, our team made it work. Palmer's made it work, and it, it was good. I had to start rationing turkey. It was I've never done it in my life, my yeah. entire career. Never heard yeah. Of it, so. so goodness. All right, I got one more question for you. Um, yeah. I'd love your thoughts on the larger food and beverage scene in general, and so that can either mean as it relates to the Greater Rochester region and down into the Finger Lakes, or just the food scene in general across the United States. What are some of the things that you think could be changing or you'd love to see coming down the Mm -hmm. pike, new innovations or, you know, kind of practices in the restaurant industry and food scene? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, that's a big question. Um, (laughs) I'll probably stay to the Finger Lakes. Um, You know, I I travel a bit, but I don't get out there as much as I'd like to. Um, You know, maybe I'll I'll speak to the university dining um, because I really... I really feel like I've had a lot of fun with that. I've done a lot of traveling with our company, mostly in the Northeast region, you know, to Northeastern, to Sacred Heart, to Hofstra University, and, and done a lot of wonderful things there. Um, I mean, the food is just so cultural now, and it's so fast, and it's so it, it's changing um, at, at such a rapid rate that um, it, it, it's almost hard to keep up. But it's it's what excites me now. Um, mm. So, you know, seeing a lot of those trends and, uh, you know, what's funny too is, you know, we're, we're part of a pretty big, uh, company called Chartwell's, uh, Chartwell's Higher Education. Uh, you know, we have the pleasure of, of having the contract here at, uh, 
Fisher. That's why I'm able to work at some of these other universities. Uh, we, we took over Carnegie Mellon a few years ago, had that uh, opening and, uh, and things like that. So having the ability to network and, and pull from other chefs right now, mm. is just really encouraging to me. And, and I, I would say that it, it almost, it almost feels like it went away during COVID. And, and if I was to, to say that there's one thing out there that I think us chefs should should really take the time and, and kind of reinvest into, because I, I think it, it brings great ideas to the industry, is, is just reconnecting as as peers that, that plate ideas, recipes, and, and um, you know, different types of food and, and management styles from each other, because there's just so much out there for us. And, it, and it's almost like we're rebuilding a lot of what, momentum we had before COVID. So, so to see us, you know, really, really take the time and play those ideas off each other and really do it humbly too, because, you mm -hmm. know, there's so many chefs out there that just, you know, it's my way and things like that. It's just such a, it's such an arrogant and ignorant way to, to get through what, you know, I consider a lifelong education in our business and things like that. So yep. when you could really partner up, with you know a group of individuals and just just play ideas off you don't have to be the best chef to be mm -hmm. at a great place you know but mm -hmm. what makes you a great chef and and what what i think drives a lot of trends in the industry is when we listen to each other so uh you know i i would say you know seeing that happening and and kind of reinvent you know reinvigorating would be wonderful so you know in the university world we, we do it really well, you know, when we visit other accounts and we go through ideas and things like that. So it's, it's you know, let, let's stay focusing on, you know, mastering classical cooking while playing great ideas off each other and, uh, you know, really pushing a lot of these these niche foods and niche, you know, culture, um, cultural offerings that are now out there uh, into the industry uh, mm -hmm. and really spilling it over. So, you know, in the, in the Finger Lakes region, um, well, I probably don't go out to eat as much as I should. And uh, if my wife ever watches this, she'll she'll confirm that. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a creature of habits. Um, but you know, when I get out there and I try new things, I just love it. You know, mm -hmm. so when I go out to eat, what I look for, and I know you didn't ask this question, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Yeah, just, please do. Is simple done well? You know. Uh, oh the yeah. First, the the first thing I look at is is the menu, and when I look at a complicated menu or a menu that doesn't have a theme's the wrong word, but like a, a specific genre or a, a, yeah. a, a, a complete thought. Mm -hmm. I, I'm usually automatically turned off, even though I'm really not a picky eater. You know, people mm -hmm. are like, uh, you know, when you go out to eat, you know, you must be so picky and you critique. I'm, I really don't. I'm, I'm just happy yeah. that someone else is cooking for me. Right. But, um, so what what I like to see the trend being and, and what I admire when I see it out there is, you know, it, you know, and this is people, you know, playing on ideas off each other is a really cohesive, small, well thought out menu. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I've got nothing against the Cheesecake Factory. I haven't been there in 15 years, but like when a menu is that large, to me, nothing's done well. And I'm not saying yeah. they don't, and I'm not, you know, obviously yep. calling nope, I out, get but, the I get the principle that you're yeah. you're looking for there. Yeah. So, so the trend, and it kind of goes back to your, uh, your question is the trend that I like to see and where I, I, I am drawn towards and what I, I do see is small, concise, well thought out menus with mm -hmm. great beverage pairings. You know, I mean, mm. I, I think a lot of the cocktails and craft beers out there in the Finger Lakes region are, are, you know, bar none, some of the best in the world. And when those are paired with well thought out menus and just great ideas with a, a you know a comfortable ambiance or a, a, a commensurate you know uh, atmosphere, those are the things that I'd like to see and I think that are going to be successful in the future. So 
Yeah. But, you know, and, and then with that in the university setting as well, you know, we're seeing a lot of investment into dining programs because, you know, the students, uh, it, it attracts students, it keeps students. Yeah. So it's the same thing. We're, we're investing a lot in ambiance, uh, millions mm -hmm. at, at, at all these um, universities and colleges that we manage to have the ambiance and the, and the cooking um, mm -hmm. that, that made to order feel uh, small, concise menus, not large, all you can eat type things. So mm -hmm. I think it, 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 it goes between the several industries that, uh, you know, I, I, I hold dear. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I think that there's in, in a lot of industries, but in particularly food bag, because it's such mm -hmm. a, a connection driven industry, you know, all three, right. Mm -hmm. That I think people are hungry pun intended for that connection, right? right? In, in many aspects of it. And so that's sort of what you're referring to in terms of, I want that collaboration back where we can kind of bounce ideas back and forth with each other. And I'm hearing that I'm feeling that personally, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm hearing it from a lot of folks in the industry too, that there's a, a hunger for let's get back out to the conferences and the trade shows and let's, you know, let's get a standing meeting on the, calendar to connect and just see what's happening, you know, in Absolutely. our like-minded industry. So, um, I will, I know I said last question, but this is my real last question. <laughs> what's your favorite place to go out to eat with like a simple menu and a beautiful pairing? Wow. I, um, so, so I met my wife in Houston, right? Um, so her and I share an affinity for Tex-Mex and Mexican food. Okay. And it's my simple guilty pleasure. I have, uh, and shout out to Guacamole. Uh, it's a restaurant here in the Punfield area, which is near the university that I go to. Um, the owner, Gustav, I'm probably not saying his name, is just a wonderful individual. And every time I go in, I have the, it's, it's a simple menu. Uh, it's a great tequila selection. Uh, the drinks are done really well and the food is just so incredibly simply made and well mm -hmm. done. Like the rice mm -hmm. is like triple quadruple washed. It flakes mm -hmm. apart. Nice. The, all the meats are, you know, fresh and done the right way. Um, you know, everything's just done classically. It's so that's kind of like, uh, my wife and I's little go-to that, uh, we enjoy generally every Saturday afternoon. Um, I think I'm getting old now because we try to get there around five o'clock. So I, I think. I, I'm told that's early. So, um, I love an early but, dinner. <laughs> but, the, but the place fills up so fast that yeah. uh, I just kind of make it an excuse to, to run out of work early on Saturday. Uh, one weekend. Um, so that's kind of been our go-to lately. But yeah. Everything is just done so so perfectly and consistently. Um, but I, I've had great meals at, at so many places. I just yeah. that, that that right now happens to be the the, the one area that uh, we love going to. So. Got it. And my phone's yelling at me that the battery's off. <laughs> um, well, we're the, yeah. we're all set. I think this was a great conversation. Thanks so much for great. taking the time, Joel. Really wonderful to hear about your background, and you know, I think also to have you emphasize your rise through fine dining, and then to go into a university scenario mm -hmm. and be at su in such a happy place there, right? That you clearly enjoy the work that you're doing and the people that you're working with and the university as a whole. And so it's, it's great for, to hear, you know, such joy in your, in your work. I appreciate it. I uh, appreciate you. And I appreciate all the support that Fisher uh, gives us here as well, that, because they really are supportive of the program. Without that, I don't mm -hmm. think uh, I would be uh, able to build the team that we have here. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah. Yep. All goes hand in hand. 
Thank you for listening to Spilled Salt. I'm Maureen Bellatori. For more information about the podcast, visit www.agency-29.com. If you have questions for me or you'd like to recommend a guest for a future episode, you can send a message using the contact form on the website. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.